Blog Talk Radio. Closing 
Uh, I know there there's a big issue with about 60 schools closing in Chicago, and there is also, uh, from what I understand, in Philadelphia as well. But we're going to kind of focus on the Chicago uh, school closings and the things that have gone down there as a result of this plan. And so uh, until we get to that point, let me play this song. It is by Amar Met he is one of the truth music artists uh in fact whom I've been had the pleasure of, of producing a song with and the name of this song is called Violence in Chicago we're going to take you now to Chicago, where this past weekend at least 52 people were shot, eight of them killed, in a wave of violence across the city. So far this year, 109 people have been murdered in our city. That's up 56% of the last year. Much of the violence is gang-generated minority involved. Genocide in the United States. That's how one Chicago teen describes what's happening in his community. 36 students killed in Chicago this school year alone. A Father's Day party boiled over. Five shot, including a one-year-old girl, gunned down in a weekend of violence so typical it didn't even make the front pages. They're waging war in the streets of Chicago, and we're losing children every single day. Freshman Gregory Robinson was gunned down and killed. Police say Robinson was doing nothing wrong. According to Chicago police, the murder rate here is up 35% compared to last year. People living here say the gangs have taken over. Some say they'd like to see the National Guard come in. We need help. We need help. That's all I can the only way I can put it. Detectives have narrowed their search down to one young man from the neighborhood believed to be the gunman who murdered Robert Freeman Jr. Police say the 13-year-old boy was shot 13 times Wednesday evening at 115th and Perry. He had been outside riding his bike with friends when the gunman came out of a vacant lot, aimed at Freeman, and opened fire. Chicago police now confirm more than 50 people were shot in the city from Friday night through this morning. Eight of those people have died. Anita Padilla reports from the west side where a shooting at a barbecue sent several people to the hospital, including a one-year-old girl. The shooters are getting bolder. Bullets flew on the city's south side last night, even though a group of more than 30 officers was nearby. I didn't see no wolves on the Have you been shot at? Yes. Have you shot at people? Yes. You see what? Me on Hill. So where the killer be killed? I be thinking, when, when my turn coming? Because it's coming. You so say you don't expect to live to be an old man? No. Just as we were arriving in the Gresham Police District, 10 miles due south of Chicago's Loop, even before we reached for the cameras, five shots were fired across the street from us, and where detectives were making a drug arrest. We're not making us do it. We're doing it to ourselves. 
drug wars and gang banging, it's just another form of genocide. And for what? Over blocks we don't own, over hoods they move us out of, as soon as they want to build new housing, businesses, and malls. We gotta be smarter than that. We gotta change the way we think. We gotta start using the mind and the brain of multi-gave us. Ain't nobody gonna fix us but us. If you don't live for something, you gonna die for nothing. Game banging is not something to live for. It's something you end up in prison or dead for. Live for something that has eternal value. Start living for y'all. Stop the violence, y'all. Stop the violence, y'all. And choose life. Shalom. There's nobody that's going to fix things or fix us but us. That is a very telling song. Uh, Those clips are actual clips. They're not staged. They're not uh, scripted. Those are actual news reports over a specific amount of time in the city of Chicago. And again, that was Amar Ahmet. And you can check out his music at Amar, A-M-A-R-E-M-E-T dot com. He has some very um, telling or or storytelling type of conscious music. And I, I recommend that you all go out and check his music out. So along the lines of that song, we are going to be talking about uh, the gun violence that is has erupted in the past uh, can't even give it a time because it's always been we are being more and more inundated with the information of what's going on but first i want to uh introduce to you one of my hosts uh adira dalia and she is on the line and i would like to introduce her to the listen to the people broadcast listeners my sister how are you I am good, Murray. How are you? I am doing well. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we get on with this subject. Well, um, Murray, I have been walking in the truth for um, a few years now, and um, basically what I do is I am into community activism and community healing. I'm trying to find that balance and bring that balance back within the community. So that's my main objective right now. Well, that's that's great. We need more people to stand up and to uh, be visible, in a sense, to doing the things uh, that are needed to, as you say, heal the community. Uh, preferably, we'll be joined by our, <coughs> excuse me, our second co-host, and uh, he may have got, gotten caught up with the lines or something. But <clears throat> we're going to go on with the program, and I, I want to ask you a couple things. We're going to play a clip. And then we're going to talk about this aspect of the clip. Of course, this has to do with the uh, young killing of Kamani Gray not too long ago in Flatbush, East Flatbush, I believe it was, in New York. And uh, we're going to play a few clips on this. Uh, First, we're going to play the first one, have a conversation about it. And again, if you want to call in and and join the conversation, you can call 213-943-3618. Again, that's 213-943-3618 and press the number one. So let's listen to the first clip on the, uh, what I will say, the murder of Kimani Gray. Well, officers and detectives were out here on East 52nd Street all day where that shooting happened last night just before 1130. 
Police officers say two cops were on patrol with the Brooklyn South Anti-Crime Unit when they noticed a group of teens standing outside one of the houses here on East 52nd Street in East Flatbush. They say one of the boys, 16-year-old Kamani Gray, broke away from the group and adjusted his waistband. When the two officers approached the team, they say he pulled out this gun, a 38 caliber revolver, and pointed it at the officers. Both cops fired several shots, hitting the boy several times in the body. But witnesses who were in the area at the time tell a very different story. He was running for his life, telling the cops stop. These cops is ridiculous. They really are. Seriously, you're walking around shooting people, kids. They was just beating up on a little boy on 51st. Now they came down here and shot somebody child. But police say Gray has a lengthy criminal record, including inciting a riot, grand larceny, and grand theft auto. The boy was taken to Kings County Hospital where he died. Both officers were also taken to the hospital and treated for trauma. The incident is still under investigation. Reporting from East Flatbush, Joe Masiri, PIX11 News. Now, this is, of course, at the beginning of the whole thing and what happened and everything. And some of the things that, that are very interesting about this is that it, it claims <clears throat> that the police uh, observed him adjusting his waistband. and or, or I should say the first thing they said was he broke from the group and adjusted his waistband. Now, this seems to be uh, a common theme when the police think something and not sure, but then they start to shoot. What do you think about that? Exactly. No, I agree with you. It seems like they have almost like a um, a prescripted response to um, these killings that's been going on lately because they all um, have this clouded judgment where it seems like it's, it, they, they paint a picture almost like it's uh, a chaotic scene and they just don't know what to do. Even though they're trained to deal with quick response, um, they seem as though they always get startled or confused. That, that's, the, that's how I always see it, is that they didn't know what to do, so their first response would be to just shoot and kill, which may, which may be my – go ahead. No, go ahead. Which may be my response because I'm not trained, right? So if I'm startled or if I feel threatened, then maybe I might just start shooting because that's – I'm untrained. But for them, it just seems like that's a common theme now, and – it's not making a lot of sense to me. Well, I would think, I would think, and of course, we're all just thinking like they were right. thinking, but prayerfully, okay. our thinking is a little bit more common sense thinking, which seems to be missing in many of these uh, cases. And we're going to listen, you know, in a minute to one of the alleged witnesses and and what they say. But it, it, if if he broke away, what was his crime? If he right. ran, if he was running. What was his crime? Were they actually coming for him? Were they actually? These are all questions that I believe that that people need to ask the police, the wh whoever uh, they need to at that precinct or or whatever. They need to ask these questions. Well, why why they saw him? He was with some boys in front of a house. He broke away. What does it mean? He broke away. Did he did he run? And if he ran, so what? unless they were trying to talk to him, and he ran still. So what? I don't have to talk to you necessarily. You know, that would be that would be the thing. But then he adjusted his, his belt. But if but he's running, or he's and that's walking my question. away. Right, that's my question. As you're running, you're adjusting your belt at the same time? And is he right. running, is his back to them? Because to me, when you say running away or broke away, which direction was he running? And how was he a threat then? As he was he pulling up his pants? You know these boys they say these days was he pulling his pants up? 
or was he adjusting his belt as if he was trying to take something out? You know, it just sounds very sketchy to me. Well, we're going to listen to another clip, and in this clip we're going to hear uh, a possible reasoning for uh, uh, the adjusting of the waistband as well as some other things that this uh, alleged witness uh, uh, states. Today on the shooting of Kamani Gray, and we now know that the teenager was shot seven times. Eyewitness News reporter N.J. Burkett is live with more on that and another protest is planned for tonight. Right, N.J.? And that's right, Diana, outside the scene of the shooting where, yes, another protest is planned for tonight. Now, over the past 48 hours, Diana, uh, several neighbors have come forward to contradict the police version of events. One of them is a 26-year-old woman who says she lives in that brick apartment building with the fire escapes and claims she witnessed the shooting from four doors down the street. His hands was up and he was telling them, please stop. Please stop. Camille Johnson says she watched it happen, that she heard shouting in the street, went to her window, and witnessed the shooting. He didn't have a gun. He had his hands up. The only thing they probably found suspicious was him pulling up his pants, because you know the, the young boys wear their pants below their waist. He was playing with his pants, probably trying to pull it up. If he had a gun on him, which I doubt he had a gun on him, he didn't pull it out. Her account is fundamentally different from that of the two officers who said they opened fire after Kamani Gray pulled this loaded 38 caliber revolver from his waistband. Gray was struck seven times behind his left shoulder, his left thigh and right thigh, twice in his right front thigh, his left rib cage and left arm. Ms. Johnson says she had attended a baby shower with Kamani Gray in the hours before the shooting. Her story is similar to that of another neighbor, Tashana King. Yet police say Ms. King initially told them she couldn't see whether Kamani had a gun. Yet several neighbors today told us they heard him pleading with police. Right after I hear it, no, I hear somebody shout, I'm down, I got shot in my leg. You know, I'm down, I'm down. So right there... And it's so like a little kid, so you would think it's a little kid, you know? Of course, the use of deadly force is justified when officers feel their lives or the lives of others are at imminent risk. Camille Johnson says she has yet to tell her story to NYPD detectives. I can tell you internal affairs investigators have been working their way through this neighborhood in an attempt to locate her, but have so far been unsuccessful. Lockdown East Flatbush, Brooklyn, NJ Burke at Channel 7, Eyewitness News. The use of deadly force is allowed when a police officer feels his life or those around him are in imminent danger. Do we think, those of who are listening, seven times? Now, Abner Louima was 40-something times. Uh, others uh, were, as we heard even in the song, uh, people have been shot much more than that is the reasoning for police to use deadly force even something that is uh feasible in all cases because it seems like in all cases that this is their reasoning that they feel threatened what do you think about that i mean what 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 is the mindset of of people that constantly feel that oh is there something that we do why they feel that way? What do you think? No, I think that it's become acceptable. So if you are trying to get the masses to believe something, if you keep using the same 
the same lies and everybody buys it and nothing happens, why wouldn't you keep using it? You know, it's, it's, it's getting just ridiculous because it's actual just, I mean, slaughtering. They're slaughtering our young men, our big men. They're slaughtering them, and they're using the, the idea to say that they are threatened or they feel like their life is in danger. But how? Because like the lady pointed out, he, his pants are sagging probably. I mean, and, that's, and, and I, I'm not even trained in this, and I could think that through, you know, just the common sense. These boys wear their pants down to their knees. With that said, he's pulling it up, and how do you feel threatened? It's because we've all accepted it, and we sit around, and we protest, and we cry, but then what is changing? You know, how, how do you change it when the people who have the power to change it, so to speak, are the ones that are doing it? Well, I think I think in actuality it is more than than uh, uh, so to speak. I think we definitely do have the power to change it. But let me let me play advocate here for a second. We we know from experience from the past and even the recent past, as we've been listening to, that there are certain reasons, obviously, that have some police officers scared. For example, let's use the whole issue with the sagging pants and how it could look. You know, let's be real. It could look, especially if someone is trying to get away really quick and they they suddenly pull their pants up and adjust it so that they can walk fast, run, or whatever. Is it an issue where while we demand that they adjust, that we should adjust as well? And maybe. Oh, I definitely agree. Go ahead. No, I, I'm just saying I definitely agree. I think that we should. And in I terms, in terms of you know, maybe this sagging pants is not the best thing that we should be doing. Maybe if the police come and roll up, that we cooperate, you know, with uh, with what they're there for. Now, they have, according to uh, something. Uh, that I read that they have, uh, let's see, um, they believe that the, the investigators believe that Kamani was a member of the Bloods gang. Right. It says the source pointed out uh, that two YouTube videos published last year that featured violence between Bloods and Crips. The source said Kamani appears in both videos, which the news has refrained from publishing due to the graphic content. Now, I just got this not too long ago, so I did not uh, actually research to see if there was such a video on YouTube. Uh, But the fact remains that if there was such a video, does that make it any less, in my opinion, a crime against Kamani Gray? It's definitely, no, it doesn't. I guess my opinion is that I feel as though whenever they slaughter these boys in the streets, they, they they bring up all these different past things, which, okay, granted, if he was a blood, okay, at that time, at that moment, what was he doing to still consider it justifiable homicide? You understand what I'm saying? Like, at that moment, what was he doing? So even if he has done that in the past, you can't just go up. I mean, because we, we would all do that. If we went up to someone and said, oh, you murdered someone before, I just started shooting. You can't do that. It's just not mm-hmm. acceptable. So mm-hmm. 
So, but that's what they use every time they take these pictures. They show these pictures of them um, in, you know, not really good looks, and they use that to, to mess with our minds and say, okay, well, it makes sense now. This is why they, um, you know, are um, allowed to kill them because of him being this, that, or the other. And it's just it's still not right. Well, absolutely. I, I do not believe that it is right. And 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 just to switch it back to the point of is there uh is there something that we can teach our people, our young people, uh, even our older people. What what can we teach them when it comes to these uh I don't know, stops that well, we might as well call it what it seems to be a, a different version of stop and frisk where you you stop but you don't frisk, you shoot. I mean, exactly. what, what is it that we can say as, as as a mother? What is it that you would tell your child in reference to their interaction with police? Well, I can tell you what I what I do tell my children and my sons. I tell them, for one, carry yourself presentable. Don't, I mean, we already know what the image has been put out of us. But that said, don't perpetuate it by reacting it and living in it. So with that said, comb your hair, pull your pants up. You know, when the police come up, answer their questions. Now, I'm still a believer that even in cooperating with the police, they still find a way to finagle and, and still help with their own personal agendas. But with that said, we still have to carry ourselves honorably. And a lot of times the parents, are helping with this image. Um, matter of fact, right here near me in Michigan, a young boy just got shot by the police. And they found out that the mother was having all the young boys over to the house and telling them and putting up on Facebook, this is the mother putting on Facebook to bang, 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 and shoot them up, shoot them up. So she's helping with that. So I guess we as the adults have to kind of rein our children back in and teach them how to deal with, with people, period, not just the police, but if you teach them that on a all-across-the-board scale, then they will always have that mindset of carrying themselves a certain type of dignity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think another issue uh, that comes, because I used to work with the NYPD as a, um, in the offices, let's just put it that way, okay. and I dealt with them all the time. And, and one of the main uh, uh, problems, I think, is the plain clothes division, which this was, and yeah. and again, we can go back to the questions as as well. What uh, did they stop him for? For or what did they roll up there for? Uh, was it like a brisk stop? In other words, they came screeching and they stopped to get him, or what? Were they just driving by calmly? Got out the car. He recognized them. I mean, you can recognize the cruisers no matter how many times they try to change it. Uh, but, you know, he recognized them, and maybe because of his record, maybe he had a run-in with them before, he decided to, in their terms, break away. We don't know if that means running. We don't know if that means just walking away briskly, but we know that he started to move away from the group that he was with. So it, it, the plain clothes now have a job where they must identify themselves because I don't really... You know, it's not an issue of how many, uh, you know, uh, how you say, how his record is, is how long his record is. It's an issue of 
what were they doing there? Did he have a right to just walk away? Did he recognize them from other from previous situations? Or did he just not want to have to deal with the cops that day? And I think that's a question. Those are questions that really need to be answered as well as this alleged video that was on video for a year. Because nowadays things are being said, but there is no proof of it. And I really believe that, yes, we need to begin to speak to the youth. Um, A few years ago I did the same thing while I was working with uh, the department and, and spoke to some youth about how they should deal with the interactions with the police being respectful, how we how we dress ourselves, how we present ourselves to everyone, not just the police but to everyone. And I believe that what you said is, is very wise and is very good uh, that you're teaching your own children that. And that is something that we really need to do uh, with, with all our children because you'll be surprised what they are influenced in doing towards the quote-unquote authority figures called the police department. But right now we're going to play another clip that has to do with uh, um, the, I believe, the uh, protests. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how these protests, past, present, and future, have been handled, are being handled, and how they should be handled. So we'll be right back after this three-minute clip. In Chicago, some 150 people were arrested on Wednesday, March 27th, protesting plans to close 61 public schools, the largest such wave of school closures ever. The city announced the plan last week, saying it was necessary to help bridge a billion-dollar budget deficit and to free resources to be invested in the city's remaining schools. At a news conference before the protest, Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel defended the plan. He said despite the plan's unpopularity, it would improve the city's schools, saying, quote, when our educational system has unequal results, you cannot lock in the status quo. A few hours later, labor, parent, religious, and community groups flooded downtown Chicago to voice their opposition. The message is this isn't over. No matter what they think or what they believe, this is not over. There are a variety of ways to deal with this, but one of the most important ways is to motivate people to take responsibility for their own destinies. And that's what this is about. Why direct action? Why civil disobedience? Well, because that's the actual area where the people have control. We don't have control over the courts. We don't have control over the legal system. We certainly don't have control over the legislature. But this is the place where we do have some control. Thousands attended, and at least 150 sat down in the street, locked arms, and were detained and ticketed when they refused to move. The Real News interviewed some of those who took part in the civil disobedience just before their arrest. Here are some of their voices. My name is Jerry Ward. I'm out here because we need to save these schools. We need to save our children. Our neighborhoods are screwed up. We don't need any schools taken away from our children. That's why I'm here. I'm making my voice heard, and we're making our children's voice heard. That's why I'm here right now. That's what I'm doing. It's important for us to fight here because this is where this whole thing started, this whole reform movement. And if we don't... If we don't nip it in the bud here, it's just going to go across the United States, and I, it'll be a horrible, 
horrible experience for children and teachers and the society in general. If this continues to make it across the United States, we have to break this. My name is Amelia Fortunato. I'm with the Unite Here. We are the union that represents the cafeteria workers. We work in the schools. I'm out here because I don't want to see the schools get shut down. I think this is a racist attack on our schools and, um, and on, honestly on black jobs in Chicago. The public sector is where black workers work and our cafeteria workers are not going to let that happen. So that's why we're out here today. I'm Lamont Tristman. I'm here for once for the kids, the teachers, the lunchroom managers, and us. <laughs> that actually was not the, uh, I guess I didn't get that clip right. But that was actually dealing with the uh issue uh in, in Chicago and the uh the hundred over a hundred arrests that went down in Chicago. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a short break. Now before we take that break, let me bring in my other colleague and co co producer, co host, uh brother Moshe Yisrael. Brother, are you there? I'm here. How are you doing? How are how are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. Please tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Mosha. Um, Mosha. Um, hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I'm an A and R. Um, percussion. Um, also a Hebrew Israelite. You know, um, speaking out for the brothers and sisters, also for the youth. What's going on in our community? And I believe that we really need to voice our opinions a lot more in this world and that we can get our nation put together. All right. We um we we definitely want to to work uh together to help uh all our people and, and the things that they are going through. And this subject is just one I mean, it's a major subject that is you know, taking place in our communities is a major subject that there really is no justice uh, going on. And we need to, as you said, lift up our voices and do what it's necessary to do in order for us to uh, really make change in our communities. We're not looking necessarily for other people to make that change because, as Amar said in his song, you know, only we can make the change, uh, only we can change us. Only we can change our behaviors, and that's one of the reasons why I support uh, the Peacekeepers' uh, global uh, objective, and and that is to raise up our brothers and and our sisters, but our brothers uh, first in order to establish new rules of conduct and behavior among our young people. Because as we said earlier, maybe there's some things that we can. In fact, there are things that we can teach uh, our younger, uh, the younger generation to not attract such attention from those uh, who would just want to oppress us and make us another number uh, in life. So I, I, I really encourage everyone who is listening to go to the peacekeepers.org the peacekeepers the peacekeepers.org and check out the site contact them and 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 uh, uh let them uh help you to get a peacekeepers initiative starting in your city in your town in your place so we will be right back to talk more about this and another subject uh right after these commercials this is for all the peacekeepers out there. That's you. Working to make peace in their community. Making peace. 
we all could make peace. You can do, you can do something to make things better. Yeah. Could you imagine what things would be like? Let's imagine. What would you do if me and you could live in harmony? Working together, playing together, learning God's treaty. Children are smiling, no one is dying from brutality. Laughing together, building together, raising families. Oh, we can do it, brothers and sisters. All we gotta do is get in. Come on. Can you imagine? Imagine my brothers. No more pain. Can you imagine? Just imagine my sisters. No more rain. Can you imagine? Just imagine our children not dying in rain. No. Can you imagine? Imagine communities making change. Oh, we can do it. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. Can find one of the beautifully bow tied representatives in your community or read finalcall.com. You are listening to the people with Moray Yahoshua, transforming your minds while developing your spirit. Right here on the Keys 107 Network at blogtalkradio.com. Chicago, some 150 people were arrested on Wednesday, March 27th, protesting plans to close 61 public schools, the largest such wave of school closures ever. The city announced the plan last week, saying it was necessary to help bridge a billion-dollar budget deficit and to free resources to be invested in the city's remaining schools. At a news conference before the protest, Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel defended the plan. He said despite the plan's unpopularity, it would improve the city's schools, saying, quote, when our educational system has unequal results, you cannot lock in the status quo. A few hours later, labor, parent, religious, and community groups flooded downtown Chicago to voice their opposition. The message is this isn't over. No matter what they think or what they believe, this is not over. There are a variety of ways to deal with this, but one of the most important ways is to motivate people to take responsibility for their own destiny. And that's what this is about. Why direct action? Why civil disobedience? 
Well, because that's the actual area where the people have control. We don't have control over the courts. We don't have control over the legal system. We certainly don't have control over the legislature. But this is a place where we do have some control. Thousands attended, and at least 150 sat down in the street, locked arms, and were detained and ticketed when they refused to move. The Real News interviewed some of those who took part in the civil disobedience just before their arrest. Here are some of their voices. My name is Jerry Ward. I'm out here because we need to save these schools. We need to save our children. Our neighborhoods are screwed up. We don't need any schools taken away from our children. That's why I'm here. I'm making my voice heard, and we're making our children's voice heard. That's why I'm here right now. That's what I'm doing. It's important for us to fight here because this is where this whole thing started, this whole reform movement. And if we don't, if we don't nip it in the bud here, it's just going to go across the United States, and I, it'll be a horrible, horrible experience for children and teachers and the society in general. If this continues to make it across the United States, we have to break this. My name is Amelia Fortunato. I was uh, Unite Here. We were the union that represents the cafeteria workers who work in the schools. I'm out here because I don't want to see the schools get shut down. I think this is a racist attack on our schools and, um, and on, honestly on black jobs in Chicago. The public sector is where black workers work and our cafeteria workers are not going to let that happen. So that's why we're out here today. I'm Lamont Trismus. I'm here for once for the kids. The teachers, the lunchroom managers, and us youngsters, we all need our jobs. And it's making it hard for kids to learn. Because how can they learn if they have a school where the only thing they can think about is getting back home? Reporting for The Real News, this is Jessel Noor in Chicago. Now, what's interesting about that is that the uh, lady near the end, the sister at the end of, of that clip, uh, who said that racist, uh, it's a racist attack on schools and an attack on black jobs, uh, she was a white lady. And, and I found that very interesting that when something affects everyone, especially in a work environment where more than likely you've been working together as a family with other people of races, of creeds, of colors, and so on and so forth, that um, you do look at it as a family. Now, now it's about 100 people arrested, and there's about 60 schools, I believe, that they're planning on on closing and how they justify it. How do they justify, if any of you know uh, from from your research or what you've heard on the television, is there any justification for closing or planning to close 60 schools? Well, they're saying funding. They say they don't have the money to keep them open. Well, that's their justification. Is that is that really something? Because, I mean, where would the children go? As the brother said at the end, you know, uh, uh, you know, having to worry about getting back home because I'm sure wherever these schools that they would be required to go to are, you know, uh, quite a distance. So, I mean, how, how much sense is it to do that? Are they expecting the children to go anywhere? Do we know uh, if if there is, uh, do we have any ideas as to whether there's another way that something could be done in any state where this is being planned? Well, it might um, actually affect a lot of children because they close so much schools down for certain communities, especially a lot of um, black uh, communities. 
they can actually put people straight in the corner, really. We don't know what kind of education, what kind of type of school they got planned for them, um, what type of neighborhood they might be going to school. I mean, there could be a lot of things actually hurt hurt those children as well. Um, who would be actually walking around going to school? Um, it's terrible. Well, well, do we think that this is going to to uh, you know allow or make the already now we're talking about Chicago, uh, where you know just the other day a six month uh, six month old baby was uh, was killed from a gunshot wound. Uh, Janila Watkins, her name was. You know, she was shot while her father was uh, changing her diaper. You know, Hadia Pendleton. 15 years old was shot um, in the back after, after you know, a week or so after she performed at the White House. So, I mean, the good thing about that case is is they caught the, the perpetrators of the crime about two weeks later, and they were charged with first-degree murder. But, I mean, uh, that does not change the fact that one of our children, two of our children, and more, uh, and adults, they're gone for no, nothing that they did. What are some of the things or how can we look at these situations and, and see any kind of silver lining, even for those that are still here and still looking for a, a better way and very upset about this situation? Well, this this is my thoughts on it. Um, you know, after all the protesting and, the you know, getting arrested out on the streets, so then the question is, what now? Because... Um, we are, and, and I understand the emotion. I get the emotion because you feel helpless. You feel like, you know, they're just taking your children's future into their hands. But the question then remains for me is, what are you going to do about it? Um, for me, I believe that at this point in time, this may be the negative that turns into the positive because we're crying out to them. We're crying out to the media. We're crying out to the government. What about our children? They won't be able to get educated. Why won't we start educating our own children, take our neighborhoods, our communities, our villages back into our own hands and educate our own children? Um, and that's a, a good alternative to that is homeschooling. And um, I know a lot of people are afraid of homeschooling and um, because of, you know, ignorance and being, um, you know, uninformed. But the thing is, is that, there are so many different resources uh, for homeschooling, um, and even they have different schools. I know um, the nation has a school right there in Chicago. Um, there are several different places that will house your children in a homeschool-type environment without sending them out into the public school system um, to be basically a weight slider. I mean, it just is ridiculous. I mean, the education that they teach them, why are we begging for them to keep it going when they're not teaching them anything anyway? A lot of these inner schools, um, inner city schools, um, the, the teachers spend so many time, so much time policing the children. They're not even having time to educate them. I volunteered in a public inner city public school for a long time, and it was ridiculous the things that I saw. So, I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, about the alternative well, to the, well, I think I think I think one of the things that we have to look at uh, is that. Uh, part of homeschooling uh, means that one parent, you know, we, we, we would usually say uh, the mother, but one parent will have to be home to homeschool or 
as you uh, implied as to those who do have, uh, uh, like the nation and others that may have or those who may be able to build uh, a school system, you know, for our communities. One of the things that's very uh, important for things like this to work is that we need to police our neighborhoods as well. Because for a situation like this to go on in any state, especially uh, a state where the crime rate is just out of, off the roof, you know, uh, we need to police. And that's why I keep mentioning the peacekeepers, because I believe, uh, uh, you know, back in the day we had the um, guardian, what do they call the guardian angels, I think they were, you know, yes. in New York. You know, we had them. And, 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 and so, you know, we need to police our own neighborhoods because we understand our people. And exactly. I have seen, you know, I have seen the situation where these, uh, 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 where when men get together and they just march, you know, we were talking about uh, in in the clip. It was you know the the protests and everything. One of the things that is is counter uh, productive to or not productive at all to our cause, whether they listen or not, is the fact that we end up uh, destroying our own. When we're upset, we end up destroying, you know, we're upset that uh, the young brother was killed. We're upset that others are being killed uh, and have been killed. But then we can't control our youth when it comes to them destroying our very own property, destroying even the stores that may be, you know, not necessarily our people in the stores, but those are the stores that at the moment, notice I said at the moment, at the moment, those are where we get our. That's where we get our food from. That's where we shop from. So the whole in the whole gamut, you know, we have to make sure that while we're talking about homeschooling, we remember that the reason why we need to homeschool is because they're throwing us out of the schools. The reason why there are murders is because a lot of these kids are not in school. So we there's a whole system uh, of solution that we have to consider when we consider one thing. Uh, Mocha, what do you have to say about it? Well, um, I think homeschooling would be a good idea for a lot of uh, parents. Anyway, it gives them a lot more chance to really be focused on their children, um, teach them one-on-one basis. And besides, I know a couple of brothers, I know sisters especially, had done homeschooling, and now their children grown up and they went through college and everything else through homeschooling. You know, she taught them to a certain age, all the way up to, I believe, junior high school or something. They got to junior high school she let them went on for themselves. Um, but it'd be a good thing. And another thing that, yes, um, I will be looking into the peacekeeper myself because I think it's a good idea that uh, we go through and cleanse our neighborhood and talk to a lot of the younger generation that's selling drugs, trying to work a way to get them off the corners, show them that it's a better thing to do within their life. There's a lot more out there they can get into as well and build the um, neighborhood up, be more safer for the young that um, walk in and stop a lot of straight bullets that come their way, and hopefully that will stop a lot of death in our community as well. Well, I think it definitely will uh, uh you know, if we show the force, you know, in all those areas, policing the neighborhoods, the homeschooling, and establishing uh, 
that homeschool alternative and not, you know, and, and really trying to uh, promote it. Um, I think in Cincinnati there's an example of that, uh, Adira? Yes, there is. Um, so basically in um, Cincinnati there is a place called Asili, A-S-I-L-I. Um, it's called Asili Museum and Institute, uh, which is located at 2621 Victory Parkway, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45206. And basically what Sister Shira does there is she has a building that she has set up to basically help with what we're speaking of. Um, and, and, Lori, what you had just spoke on was basically rebuilding our nation. And that's everything. That's the teaching our children. That's the having our own stores. So nobody can throw you out. If you have your own store, they can't throw you out of a store. If you have your own school, they can't throw you out. Um, if you police your own streets, then they don't have to police them. It, it, and I think that's my mindset when I talk about homeschooling is it's time for us to stop being so dependent and become more independent so we don't have to stand in the streets crying about someone throwing us out of something. So just to share at a silly um, museum and institute, um, they basically have a strong network there, a strong community of trying to rebuild our children and um, put some good morals and teach them their heritage, their culture, and also teach them the things they need to um, survive in this world. And also I would like to say that K-12 homeschooling, um, they are an online free schooling. So it's basically just like how you put your children into the public school system and you register them. It's the same thing, but it's something that you can do with your child at home. And it's a good way to start um, if you don't have a clue on how to basically teach your own children. So it's a good starting um, starting tool. And then after that, you kind of find your own way. The phone number for K-12, if anyone is interested, is 877-956-4738. Um, Say it yeah. again. Okay. It is 877-956-4738. And that is K-12 homeschooling. And if I remember, we'll say it again at the end of the broadcast because I think it's something that we uh, can all definitely uh, use and it's something that we uh, in our communities can even learn so that we can establish these things, again, within our community and creating uh, a system where we are not dependent on others to help to uh, teach our children the way that only we can. Uh, we will be right back after this. Station block. Rafika Consultants and Services LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face -face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet, now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect 
for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Mold 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit Mold107.com. And you are tuned into the Keys 107 Network on Blog Talk Radio, opening doors to endless possibilities. I'm telling you, you can do anything. One of the things that you can go, I mean, (laughs) one of the things that you can do is go to maun107.com. That's maun107.com, and you will find one of the best, if not the best, online women's clothes shop. They also have some things for men. Uh, Again, that's www.maun107.com. You will be able to speak to Brother, Brother James or Sister Rafika and get yourself some really, really, really nice clothes. And usually, I have to uh, actually... Uh, I have to actually pull it out from some paperwork, but in my hand, <laughs> I am holding on to a copy of the Fluff Alphabet. And if you want to know more about the Fluff, because I'm not going to tell you a whole lot, but it's something that if you have children, I'm telling you they will love this book, teaching them about the ABCs. And you can find out more about the Fluffs at the fluffsfamily.com that is the fluff not fluffs the fluffsfamily.com and you will see a lot about uh uh what these characters are about what the book series is about and what the book that they have out right now uh entitled the fluffs present the alphabet is about um Please support our people, support the things that they are doing to help make the next generation uh, uh, more lively, more intelligent. Uh, Not that they're not intelligent now, but we need to redirect all the energy that they do have. So if you want to call and want to share some of that energy, you can call 213-943-3618. That's 213-943-3618. And you can press the number 1, and we will bring you on the line to talk to you. Another thing that was said in that uh, clip that I played uh, was about the civil disobedience. And as I was saying earlier, uh, the energy or the reaction to many things that have gone on in our communities over the past uh, years uh, has many times taken on a violent turn. Uh, we can go back and look at film from the 50s to the 60s uh, where during the Civil Rights uh, era, as they call it, there was marching, but it was seriously civil disobedience. No matter how many German shepherds were sicked on us, no matter how many water hoses were were shot that water at an alarming rate at our people, we still continue to march. What do you think is the... Uh, that you can share from your experiences, because we're all different ages, but what do you think 
is the difference as to why we now seem, or some of us seem, to resort to violence first as uh, our way of dealing with the situation. Anybody, anytime. Mocha? Oh, okay. Um, I think the um, reason why everybody resorts to violence first is with the society actually showing them. Um, they learn it so much from TV show, movies. I mean, it's been feeding so long, it's like actually getting pushed to them in their mind that, hey, you know, before y'all um, trying to make peace, um, let's show them how to pick a gun up first and solve their problem by shooting somebody or um, stabbing somebody, whatever, just to decide to, you know, children that look at TV, television, and not even children, it's just sometimes be more attached to teenagers or adults. Also, um, we saw big problems throughout the media and different things that they've been seeing so long. It's, it's like it's actually growing into them. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And a lot of these, again, we can go back, we can even tag all of these things together that we've been talking about. And, and if we realize it, that one thing, when you pull one thing away, it will cause something else. You take these kids, you take their schooling away. You take their community centers away. And now what, what do they have to do? Stand on the street corner. They stand on the street corner and they get influenced by uh, the evils of the of the day, of the week, of the month, of the year, of the generation. And then these same individuals end up populating the schools or a revolving door, uh, not around the schools, but around the prisons. And I believe that in some way, now this is just me, that in some way this is uh, done on purpose uh, oh, to keep know. that financial... Uh, uh, door running around in these prisons, but I do believe that it's time that we start to bring back, you know, some kind of civil disobedience that is true to what our forefathers did, that is true to uh, trying to deal with these things with a violent system in a peaceful manner, because we can be po peaceful yet powerful, we can, as opposed to being violently weak. You know, I think when we show the type of violence, we really weaken ourselves. We weaken ourselves because who are we being violent at? We're being we're violent at our own. So we're right. being violently weak and it's not serving a purpose. So I, 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 I think that we need to start looking at, uh, as we had a guest a couple of weeks ago, you know, saying trying to get our people involved in the politics. You know, some people don't believe that it's worth anything, but you never know, and you never know what generation might 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 start to really listen, at least a majority of us, so that we can be peaceful yet powerful. Well, I, and I have something to say about that, too, um, in regards to, um, I think that sometimes, and you guys can, but I think that sometimes we use the whole the media, the uh, the gaming systems, and the music and all that stuff. Sometimes I think that we use that as a, a escape or an excuse. Um, this is just my opinion because a lot of times we say, well, this is why our children are acting this way. This is why, you know, and it causes this, this spiral of faith. But then, okay, then my question is, but what are we doing? What are we doing to keep their minds stimulated in a positive direction? You know, we, um, I know when I, worked, when I was volunteering in the inner city schools, 
You couldn't get parents to come out and find out what was going on in the schools. They didn't come. You know, but then as soon as the school was ready to close down or something happens, everybody's crying. So my point is is that where are we at with trying to bring our children back in and take control? Because I think the difference between now and then was that the whole moral structure of the family core was totally different. Um, when people sat down together and talked about the day or they met things out together, now we barely even see each other because we are so busy doing other things. So I guess my point is is that I think a lot of times we use the excuse of, well, this is affecting our children, this is affecting our children, and instead of saying, why why am I not affecting my child? You know, instead of taking that responsibility back on us, back on our community, and not putting it on something else. Well, I think I think I think you're you're correct in that aspect of it, but I also feel that it's not an excuse, but it's the reality. It's a, a reasoning, and and the question as to what are we doing, or what is a particular person doing, or us as a nation, or of people doing, you know, is asked because we see the repercussions of not doing what we're being asked about. So if we're not doing these things and cultivating our children and cultivating uh, them when they're young, then the result is the video games, entertainment, music, and so and and movies. That is what is controlling them. And and that's not may not be in all situations, but then if right. if that is not an issue in some of those situations, then you have the gangs on the street. Which, again, this all falls into the fact that you have a generation of parents who have grown up before they've grown up mentally, before they've been matured. So, so it's a lot of dynamics involved in that, and I don't. Uh, again, I don't think it's it's an excuse to say that. It's an excuse if you have time to do it, but you decide, ah, uh, let them do whatever. You know, that's yeah, exactly. when it becomes an excuse. But when it becomes the actual fact and reasoning, it's because we're not doing exactly what we should be doing. And that is changing day by day. It's a process. It's been a process to get us where we are now, where we're talking about these things and these negative things are happening. And, and while we're working on a, on the generations to come, we're still going to see these things. But what we want to see is the numbers going down. You know, and so right. so all of that aspect of it, I do believe, is a reality. There are those who can do more with their children. There are those who are trying to do uh, the best that they can with, with their children. And, and, and one of the things that you said as far as the core of the family, one of the problems is that, you know, a lot of things that we have done throughout the years has been out of order with what I will say is the natural order of the family, of our family, not necessarily anybody else, but we're talking about, you know, the blacks, Hispanics, and so on and so forth. But in, in, in a nutshell, any family that is about being positive and, and raising up their children in the right way. I think that that we need to start understanding that we've come out of that order and then with that understanding get understanding to fix that problem. And some of the things that were said, such as, you know, the homeschooling and policing our neighborhoods and the peacekeepers uh, uh, getting our brothers to join the peacekeepers initiatives and everything like that, those are just like a drop in the bucket of the things that we can do. But even if those things are cultivated, we can then take those things and they can grow and then those who have other ideas 
ideas and things that will work, we can then begin to help them as well to to so that they can uh you know run the gamut of 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 positivity and raising our children and our grandchildren. You know the scripture says that a wise man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren, so as a man, I have two generations to think about. Right. Not just my my right. my my children that I have now, but the children that they may have, you know, prayerfully later on, but <laughs> that they will have. I'm not ready to be a grandfather, but you know that that is what a wise man does, and so that's what I believe that with all these things that we're doing, that we need to do it. But one thing I want to mention, or I want you to mention, uh, Adira, is you have an event that's coming up. Yes, actually, uh, my sister. Hanea has an event that she will be, um, that she has put together, I should say, and I'm just helping her in it, but it is called the Unschooling Open House, and that is also in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, it will be held at 6233 Montgomery Road um, at the Pleasant Ridge Library, and that again is 6233 Montgomery Road at the Pleasant Ridge Library, and will be held in the meeting room. And what it will be is it's going to be uh, a forum to be able to answer questions in regards to homeschooling because um, a lot of people are just, they just don't know, so it's, it's, it's scary to them. So she will have several people from, um, I know she'll have someone from K-12, she'll have someone that actually, a couple people that do it at home, because there's also sisters who are willing to bring in your child um, to help homeschool them, you know, because if you don't feel comfortable doing it, or you don't feel like you're in the place to do it, or you have to work, they'll also take your child in. And some of them do it for free. Um, so, I mean, it's just so many different resources. So, again, that event is called the Unschooling Open House. So, yeah, check it out. I'll is there an email or something that they can contact you or your sister for that? Yes. It is 3.9destiny at gmail.com. We got to say that again. Three, the, I should say the number three, dot, the number nine, destiny, at gmail.com. All right, so we have we have things going on in the community, brothers and sisters, uh, communities, I should say. This is in Cincinnati, Ohio. We have, as I said, the peacekeepers, which are expanding all over the place, I will tell you. They are not only in uh, uh, New York City and and uh, Washington, I believe they are in Washington. But uh, New Orleans, uh, they are actually in the UK as well. The reason why I'm promoting them so much is because I believe this is just the beginning of something that we can see nationally and worldwide, globally, in order to stop some of these things and give our young men uh, something to do. Uh, you know, as opposed to causing or being a part of the problem. And let me tell you something, and I'm going to say this, and you probably will hear me say this a lot of times. If you're not really a part of the solution, then you really are a part of the problem. But you can change that. You yeah. can definitely right. change that by getting involved in your community. You can change that by by establishing something as small or as big as it is, you, as you feel that it will be. But don't give up on our people. That's one of the things I want to really address with you. Do not give up on our people. If by yeah. some chance, 
you know, you you feel like giving up, hey, there's a whole lot of people that you can, I'm sure, talk to. You can write us at the Keys 107 Network, uh, 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 at, at thekeys107.com, and you can, you know, come, give us a, send us a message, and we can talk to you about doing some things, being a guest on, on some of the shows. It's time, it's time, it's time to get involved in stuff. And right now I'm going to play a song that even questions you, whether or not you are serious about the things that you say. We want change, but are we serious enough to help to make that change? Right. Right.
<laughs> I got a little carried away there, didn't I? Uh, when we talk about community, I want you all to just look in the mirror and tell yourself, what can you do for my community? What What can we do? What can I do to change the things uh, within my community? We have a few minutes left. And Brother Moshe, do you have any uh, words that of encouragement that you would like to give uh, to our young people, to those who are listening now and who will listen in the archives uh, in reference to, you know, uh, helping to build themselves and our communities up? Um, a word of encouragement, I would say um, just stay positive um, the best way you can. Um this is the habit of um, really teaching or greeting each other. Uh, if they, if they, if y'all is trying to really build something up like your own business, more business, or probably just want to hustle um, shirt t-shirts, just really trying to gather your people up to help you out into it and really stay positive into it, and you'll be surprised how much a big outcome as a team will work out. Yeah, we that that's definitely needed. They can start young at being uh, entrepreneurs and uh, you know moving ahead. I mean, we we are people that are good at that. You right. Know, so I remember um, when I was younger. It's a funny story. I'm gonna have to share with y'all and everybody else. Um, I was living in the Bronx. I remember me and my friends. You know, we we um, started our own chapter. It was positive, you know, um, for our people. We thinking. I mean, we was very young. And I remember um, I came to the idea, hey, let's sell Kool-Aid. Because, you know, back then in Park Jam from New York City, the seller must be hot, no air, no AC. So it actually mm-hmm. came out very big, selling right. Kool-Aid. Yes, yes, and we took that right there and bought ourselves silk green, et cetera. You know, but um, it was a positive energy that we all had, and a lot of respect for each other and show a lot of love for each other as well. And we well, like, you know, get to move forward. And again, that's what it is. It's about you know creating that positive energy and that positive stuff that needs to be going on. And as far as uh, uh, you know, again, being an entrepreneur, it does start practically with everyone, with the lemonade stand or the Kool Aid stand, or selling <laughs> something. You know, selling something when they're when they're young, and and those things need to be cultivated and encouraged with our young people. My dear sister Adira. What do you have to say to our people? Well, you know, this is this is my area, and I love it. Um, so basically what I have to say, I'm going to especially speak to um, the sisters, is that we have got to start working together and encourage each other and not give up on each other. Um, it's so important to hug each other and give each other words of inspiration and encouragement because uh, we're all in this struggle together. Um, it's a famous quote that I love that, that, that goes like this, that none of us are free if our brother is not free. So that's the mindset that we have to have. And I know um, that there's another saying that says, uh, want, with your brother, want for your brother and sister what you want for yourself. So if you want peace, want that for someone else. And we have to collectively come together, bring all our resources together, our minds together, and, and just make a change. Just do it. You know, it, 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 sometimes it's easier than we think. Uh, we just kind of are in our own way. So, encouragement. That's, that's great. And, and can, can you just let us know a little bit about what we will be talking about next week and our guests? 
real quick? Sure, sure. So next week we will be focusing more on the homeschooling um, and educating our children and taking our children back. Um, so basically we'll have a guest from HSLDA, and they are advocates for homeschooling um, internationally and nationally. Um, and we'll have a speaker from there that will kind of give us a little bit about what they do. And, and I can just kind of tell you, they, um, they basically speak up for people who can't speak up for themselves. So we're dealing with the laws and legislation because a lot of times we get kind of bamboozled in some of these different um, avenues because we don't know the laws. So they help with that. We'll also have um, my dear sister, Hannah L. She will be on. Um, she's going to speak from the aspect of someone that actually teaches within the home. Um, and we will also have someone from Achilles, the Museum and Institute that I spoke of earlier, um, which offers another stand where if you can't have a school at home, they kind of give you the homeschooling environment in a, a different building. So those are going to be our guests for the next week. Well, we're going to have a full show next week. I'm sure we'll have another subject uh, with the school as well as the school, uh, the homeschooling, which will connect uh, as a solution to the uh, issues that we have. I want to take this time to thank all of you who have been listening uh, to the pro to the broadcast and listening intensively, I'm sure. Uh, as well as I want to thank the Keys 107 Network for allowing me to be a part of this family and to share wisdom with the people. I also want to thank my new co-hosts, Brother Moshe Yisrael and Sister Adria Dalia. And I just want to thank you guys for uh, taking on the responsibility of dealing with me. <laughs> and uh, dealing uh, with with the show and and just being uh, another set of uh, you know lights to the people. Uh, so if you all who are listening want to send some show suggestions about this broadcast or any other broadcast on the Keys One Hundred Seven Network, you can uh, send an email to suggestions at the Keys. 107network.com and visit the site at the keys107network.com and check out the other shows that we have uh, on there. Also, if you have a smartphone, and I mean a real smartphone, if you have a smartphone, you can definitely download the Blog Talk application on your smart device so that if you cannot go on the computer and if you cannot necessarily call and listen, you can definitely have us with you 24-7 and you can check out the call, uh, the 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 shows in the archives. And speaking of the archives, you can also go to the archives and listen to this broadcast and all the other broadcasts that we have. And if you want to be a peacekeeper, again, be a peacekeeper and go to thepeacekeepers.org uh, and you will have all the information there, ways to contact us and uh, everything else on that show. You can also listen to them at 530 to 6.30 p.m. on Tuesdays, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we do have a lot of other shows, as I said, that you can listen to. Um, and tomorrow, <clears throat> which is Thursday, we will start off our broadcasting at 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. with Sister Rafika Soares Muhammad and Brother James T. Muhammad with the Keys 107. And then it continues on to there. So, brothers and sisters, I want to thank you for uh, being a part of this show, uh oh, 
being a part of the show and listening to us as we listen to each other today. But you are listening to us, and we are part of the people, and you are also listening to the people. So until next week, be safe, live well, and stay blessed. Shalom.
on Blog Talk Radio. Opening doors to endless possibilities. I am 